Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 97 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. We're almost to 100. I can't believe it. That's right, girl. All good things are coming. Yes. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to keep it light and fun, and we'll be talking about both how to prevent and manage a hangover. So if you're a longtime listener, you probably know Allie and I do love our wine, and we're all for a NorCal margarita from time to time. Uh, so we really want to give you some of the strategy on how to safely indulge in alcohol or safely imbibe and mitigate the potentially damaging effects. Yes. So <laughs> this is a real life episode, not a halo episode. And um, we want to get a little bit into tools that we both personally use, how we can approach alcohol in a safe, moderate way and still live optimal health type lifestyle. Because both of us, I don't feel, <laughs> feel it to be sustainable to go complete abstinence. So <laughs> abstinence. So here we go. <laughs> Yes, we've had some good times and some bad hangovers. I'm not going to tell any stories today, um, but we're not perfect either. So we'll be getting way deep down actually on wine in our next episode. That's episode 98. So make sure you tune back in for that one as well. We talked to the founder of Dry Farms Wines, Todd White. But before we jump into this episode, let's get some updates. Allie, what's going on with your book? So the book is releasing, I believe now, the last week of August. So I was given the, the date of August 7th, which was a false <laughs> date. I know. And um, I'm hearing a lot of awesome feedback. I've been doing a lot of guest podcasts. And so I know that our listenership is growing. So welcome, those of you that are new to the Naturally Nourished podcast. And thank you for joining us. Uh, and the book will be coming out. I know that Amazon is going in and out of showing it being sold out. Uh, but just keep uh, talking to your local bookstores, requesting it, that they order it, that you can buy it at Barnes & Noble and that you can buy it at your local, more boutique bookstores. Request me to come do a book lecture, a book signing. I'd love to come to your city. So definitely that's all word of mouth and it takes a village to create a movement. And I'm so excited to get the anti-anxiety diet in everyone's hands because I really feel that my six foundational R approach working on inflammation, leaky gut, microbiome, micronutrients, neurotransmitters, and adrenals, all as integral elements of mood stability, whole body health, and managed energy levels, and hormone health, and metabolic health is really going to be key for helping you guys thrive. So there's been awesome movement, awesome support, and um, you can definitely pre-order it on Barnes & Noble online right now. And I think Amazon, by the time you hear this, will probably have it back in stock again as well. And um, I'm, I'm just stoked. We're, we're getting really excited. We're lining up our book signing in Austin. We have a book signing event with Monica Pope on, is that September 15th, yes. I think, Becky, yeah. in Houston. And, um, you know, we're just, we're just riding the waves and all of those things, you guys want to keep up to date with where I'm going to be and whatnot. Definitely stay engaged on social media at Allie Miller RD and sign up for our free two week meal plan at AllieMillerRD.com. And that subscribes you to our newsletter. We're always going to be putting a lot of great content in there. Always a new recipe featuring the podcast of the week and additional support for you uh, for functional medicine and whole body health. Awesome. And I know we've been getting amazing feedback from the advanced copies that have gone out to certain wellness experts and practitioners uh, that we're yes. aligned with. So we're really excited to get it into everyone's hands, hopefully by the time the podcast airs. Yeah, let me read one testimonial I got actually um, from Christina Kerp, who we had on as a guest from Castaway Kitchen. So she says, 
Allie takes something which seems overwhelming and complicated and breaks it down into a doable program. She explains the whys and hows so well. I'm such a fan of her work and her amazing approach to food as medicine. This book is going to help so many people. Accessible, well-organized, and full of invaluable information. Forget the prescription pad. This book is going to change lives. Oh, I love that. Thanks, Christina. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So um, let's talk a little bit, Becky, about our virtual food as medicine ketosis program that's launching in the next couple weeks, and then we'll get on with managing hangovers. <laughs> so September 4th, we are starting up our fourth now round yes. of our virtual keto group. I keep wanting to say third, but it's the fourth one. Um, so at this point, we've really honed and refined our materials even if you've done it in the past, the materials this time around will be different. The lectures will be different. We learn from every single group who goes through this. And this is a 12-week virtual program. It is focused on six live webinars where Allie will go down the rabbit hole into issues beyond just the macros of ketosis. We talk about the microbiome. We talk about stress. We talk about inflammatory foods and the MRT test, and we'll kind of go down the rabbit hole in a more functional medicine approach. And I think what really sets us apart from other keto programs that are out there is that we really focus on real food. We're not using any of those non-caloric sweeteners. You guys know how we feel about those. So we're yes. focused on real food and we're focused on real results. We've had amazing results in our program so far, weight loss of 50 plus pounds, getting folks off of diabetic medications, We've seen reductions in cholesterol for sure and other medications as well. Um, so fantastic results all around and lowered sugar cravings, which is always a plus as well. Clearer skin yes. and reduced autoimmune disease activity, reduced inflammation and pain. Just awesome, awesome, remarkable findings. We've now had over 15 physicians come through our program, which is amazing. And we're crossing over a thousand participants that have been in my keto food as medicine program. So we welcome you all to join us. It's only $199 for the entire three months. And with that, you get two eBooks, Eat Fat, Get Skinny, as well as my Ketogenic Kickstart, which has all of the research and evidence-based information on any keto myth and also strategy of how we develop and get you fat adapted. So like Becky said, it's real food, food is medicine, and I really take the approach of starting you with some form of rigidity to get fat adapted. And then by the end of this three month program, ensuring that you lose that tight distinguishing yes and no list of keto versus non-keto foods and really working on ketosis as a metabolic state versus a yes or no food lists and rules and guidelines, really listening to the feedback of your body. And so whether you're new to keto or keto curious or you've been doing a ketogenic lifestyle for over a couple years, this program can definitely take your body and your goals to the next level. Awesome. So I'll link to where to find that class in our show notes. So hop on over, sign up before September 4th, and we'll be excited to have you. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's start off maybe just a little bit nerdy here, and then I promise we'll get to the fun part. You guys know we can't help it. Um, we so, always get nerdy. <laughs> yeah, um, so let's talk a little bit about how alcohol is actually metabolized in the body. Like what's the process from that first sip of a cocktail or wine? What is the body actually going through? What are the various stages and what happens to that product? Sure. So alcohol, when we think of the term alcohol, we're, we're really considering ethanol, which is absorbed super rapidly in the body. And alcohol in its varied forms, obviously there's different percent proof and concentration of ethanol in forms of alcohol, but all forms of alcohol are liquid. And we don't have to break down and digest fibers. <laughs> we don't have to go through enzyme, mechanical enzymes, at least on a digestive level. So when we drink alcohol, it's rapidly uh, goes through our intestine 
into our bloodstream, up to our liver. And there are enzymes strategic or specific to alcohol, such as alcohol dehydrogenase, that is going to convert alcohol into acetaldehyde. And interestingly enough, acetaldehyde is actually 10 to 15 times more toxic than just straight up ethanol. So this byproduct, yeah, yeah. So our liver makes worse of a little player in our system in that metabolic process. And um, in that process, we also then carry into the liver after the intestinal absorption, uh, other enzymes that play a role such as cytochrome P450, which is one of the main phase one detox enzymes that many medications work on a metabolic uh, excretion. And um, it can definitely be distressing then or hinder the function of cytochrome P450 of detoxifying other compounds like plastic byproducts, endocrine disrupting chemicals, and then like I said, yes, medications and other endogenous toxins that the body has produced. So alcohol itself is an exogenous toxin, meaning it's something from outside of the body that we consume. It's rapidly absorbed into our bloodstream via the small intestine, carried to the liver, and then there are enzymes that actually metabolize that ethanol into a more dangerous byproduct. Yeek! Okay, so thanks for keeping it short and sweet. I know there's probably a lot more to it, um, but... That's probably sufficient for most people's understanding. Um, And then let's talk about this a little bit because it kind of blew my mind learning that alcohol is literally metabolized basically like a separate nutrient. Yeah. So when we talk about macronutrients, we think of carbs, protein, and fat, and both carbs and protein are four calories per gram, whereas fat is nine. Um, So, you know, there's always that little more than two to one ratio there. And that's why, you know, if you're eating 70 grams of protein and 70 grams of fat, you could still be definitely in a fat dominant diet based on that nine calories versus four. But alcohol actually has seven calories per gram. So it's like its own world in macronutrients. Now, we don't consider it in the term of macronutrients because it's non-essential and uh, it's not something that we want necessarily in our daily distribution. Sure, but higher than in calories than carbs or protein, closer to being you know, metabolically like, like a fat, at least from the calorie side of things. Calorie density for sure. So that's pretty wild. And I think it's important to recognize too, that alcohol and alcohol detoxification is going to be prioritized over other nutrients. So what does that actually mean? Like when we have alcohol with a meal, for example, Yeah. So when the body, I always call the liver like the UPS of the body, right? So the liver is in charge of packaging, metabolizing, and distributing. And um, there's no need to distribute alcohol anywhere other than excrete it. (laughs) You know, the liver is like, okay, this guy is broken. There's no need. I don't need to send you to the brain. I don't need to send you to the bones. I don't need to send you to any functional tissue in the system. So all of the energy of your metabolic processes really goes into upregulating detoxification. Again, in our detox processes, we often make free radical intermediary compounds that are more dangerous than the initial substance itself. So that's that process of that conversion of acetaldehyde, which creates this intermediary impact. And then we have more of a taxation and demand to encapsulate and excrete. Uh, And we excrete alcohol primarily through our urine. And that's done via the liver and the kidneys. And um, we also do excrete some alcohol through our stool and a little bit through sweat, just like any form of detoxification. But when the body is distressed on detoxification, it takes a backseat, backseat, excuse me, on blood sugar regulation. And so we can get some negative influence as far as metabolism of breaking down foods, because all the energy is focused on getting this crap out of the body, (laughs) that we can get more body fat storage um, and suboptimal blood sugar regulation. So we can get both hypoglycemic blood sugar drops or hyperglycemic blood sugar spikes. And that's even segregated from the types of alcoholic beverages we're consuming, which is its whole other world that's going to impact our metabolism as well, of course. Got it. And that whole blood sugar spikes or drops, it's a lot of the reason I think that we get sleep disturbance if we drink too much. So we'll either be waking in the night or, you know, we'll sleep and feel like we didn't sleep at all. Um, So I think that's 
a super interesting piece of that puzzle too. Definitely. We, we tend to get a refractory blood sugar drop after the alcohol has been detoxified because we get glycogen shifts in the liver in that process. And so then even if we are some form of fat adapted, depending on our body's metabolism, we can still experience that blood sugar drop. And that's where we can wake up with kind of like the sweats. <laughs> yeah, like you said. And um, some people say, oh, they get hot flashes from things. And uh, that's, that's that mechanism exactly is the blood sugar crash. Okay. And then this whole piece of the puzzle with basically everything else is backburnered until that toxic burden of alcohol is dealt with. That's part of the argument for alcohol causing us to gain weight, right? Absolutely. Because it is calorie dense, right? So at the end of the day, we're adding calories to our meal and um, going excess calorie regardless of our macros. You know, I've had people that are doing keto that are like, I don't get it. I'm at 85% fat in my diet. And then we look at their intake and they're eating 3000 calories. Well, like, girl, you're not going to lose if your metabolic rate is at 1,200 calories and you're almost tripling your metabolic rate. You're going to gain weight. Um, and so I think we that macros are king over calories, but we need to be mindful that calorie in excess of any form causes weight gain. And so definitely, especially with the density of the seven calories per gram, we're adding calories to our intake. And the issue with alcohol is usually beyond the refractory of the blood sugar drop of actual hypoglycemia and going for munching to pick ourselves up. We also have that paired with lower inhibitions. So then we're going to go for more of those like food munchies that are going to be less, uh, optimal food choices and may also have less of a mindful consumption. So we're going to overconsume as well foods. Awesome. And then going back to alcohol and keto, let's just speak to that for a moment. So can we have alcohol and keto? That's always in the first class. It's like, oh my God, what's going to happen to my wine? I swear 10 people ask me that at least, uh, but can we have a, will it kick us out of ketosis? What's the deal there? So it's interesting to, it's a great question to address. And if you're doing ketosis as a lifestyle, I think that you really have to find a way to make everything that you want in your lifestyle to work in moderation. So I think it has to, and um, we're actually going to have Kendra on here, uh, which she wrote Craveable Keto, but she also did that Keto Happy Hour book um, with cocktails. Ooh. And um, I, I love that because, yeah, I mean, you, you need to be able to have, um, for peace, love, and low carb, um, you, you need to be able to have that approach of good, better, best. How does this work in my lifestyle if this is going to be a lifestyle, not a crash diet, right? So the key is that we're being moderate. As far as keto selections, I know we'll talk later in today's show about our favorite forms of alcohol and kind of good, better, best, but being mindful, of course, of glycemic impact. So doing like a spirit, uh, often a clearer spirit is best with soda water and then some like herbaceous compounds, like maybe uh, basil muddled or something like that. And then yes, red wine and even uh, white wine and champagne. Um, champagne actually has a pretty low carb impact, like four grams of carbs per glass. And um, so we do want to take that into account as far as our total carb intake with keto. Um, and then we also want to be mindful. There's a little bit of a, a false correlation where I'll have people say, oh, I went to a wedding and I ate, you know, I, I stayed lowish carb. I, I, I navigated around the bun that was served, the, the dinner rolls, and I, I had the salad and I had my protein and skipped the mashed potatoes. But I did have a couple bites of wedding cake and I had three glasses of wine. And the next morning, my urine strips were even yeah. deeper into <laughs> ketosis. <laughs> I hear this all the time. And I'm like, well, A, good for you for being mindful in your navigation at the wedding. <laughs> and maybe those couple bites of cake were worth it. But let me just tell you that your urine strips measure acetoacetate, right? And acetoacetate is going to be often falsely elevated in your ketone urinary metabolism because there is this intermediary influence when we get an increase of hepatic ketone production from fatty acids from our diet of ketosis, but it can be linked to ethanol-induced 
glycogen depletion. There was actually a research study done on this in the 70s, um, and they looked at ketonuria or ketones spilling in the bloodstream and alcohol-induced glycogen depletion driving the surge or the push of ketones to be metabolized more rapidly. And basically what that means is, and we'll talk about how alcohol dehydrates the body, um, but like I said, the liver in its focus of trying to detox kind of wrings out that glycogen storage, and then that is what creates that residual surge of ketones out of the body okay, and out so of the you're urine. you're not getting deeper into ketosis because of the wedding cake and three <laughs> no. glasses of wine. Yeah. You're spilling yeah. ketones. You're spilling ketones in your urine. Yes, truth. <laughs> but you're not getting deeper into fat burning by drinking alcohol. False. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, we get that question a lot. So I'm glad we hit that. Um, so let's talk about a little bit of the scary stuff a little more before we get into the fun stuff. Um, so okay. just kind of the, the scary aspects of overconsumption, obviously addiction being a serious concern. Um, additives in our wine and our alcohol, uh, sugar, and maybe a little bit about the microbiome because I know there's a lot here. Oh yeah. That's a lot to unpack, Becky. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go one so, at a time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, addiction first. I mean, and just just the, I think, seeking external void or filler for the void, excuse me. You know, um, I, I often say that when we're dealing with whether it's food addiction, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, we're often looking just like in a conventional medical model to silence a symptom versus resolve a root cause of imbalance. And so when we're reaching for alcohol to escape, that's definitely concerning. And um, that's where then we can go down a, a deep rabbit hole of cyclical depression and anxiety. Uh, we can also create dependency to, to really get that, you know, escape mechanism going. And there definitely is an effect on our neurotransmitters and our B vitamins. So our B vitamins are some of the greatest area of depletion from excessive alcohol consumption. We think of thiamine as the big known one, but really all of your B vitamins get depleted within that dehydration process, and B vitamins play a big role with detox, which is another reason why these get depleted. And remember, B vitamins are essential for energy. They're essential for fueling our mitochondria, our energy factory cells of our body, and they're essential for neurotransmitter production and also the communication of our neurotransmitters. So if you get depletion of bees, that following day, you're going to feel lethargic, you're going to feel low, and you're going to deal with some brain fog, which can then lead you kind of that flat affect, which makes you want that, that pick-me-up and that vicious cycle. And then beyond the mood impact and the addictive tendencies, severe alcoholism and, you know, high alcohol intake in binge drinking form or in a chronic intake with alcoholism, we're going to see liver and then organ damage. Like we can even get pancreatic damage. We can get cardiovascular damage and um, can have also a lot of studies are, are tying things like breast cancer as a concern with excessive alcohol. So there's organ influence and there's nutritional influence and then there's the behavioral addictive influence. And all of these are really important to take into account. And it is important, although we'll be light and talk about fun ways to use alcohol, it's important to acknowledge that it is a toxin. Yes, definitely. And then beyond the addictive tendencies, what about additives and kind of the stuff that comes with our alcohol? I know yeah. we're going to get more into that in our next episode specifically on wine, but there are certainly additives in our alcohol. Alcohol doesn't have an ingredient label. Um, and then there's right. all of the stuff that we add to cocktails and sugary mixers and agave and simple syrup. What's the deal with all of that stuff? Yes. So, you know, there's, a, like I said, always a good, better, best. And, and one of the big yes concerns is that alcohol doesn't have an ingredient label. There are a lot of enhancers of flavors. There's a lot of preservatives. There's a lot of toxic compounds in addition to the ethanol or the alcohol itself. And then when you're looking on mixers, that's a whole nother gamut of world. But yeah, Todd uh, shared with us, which we'll have in the following episode with Dry Farms Wine, 76 
additives can be seen in conventional wine. 76 different chemicals. I mean, so beyond things like caramel color, um, these are things that can also be added to, of course, darker alcohols like your tequilas and whiskeys and whatnot. But there are additives and preservatives and toxins that only add insult to injury to the ethanol or alcohol itself. And then when we look at the mixers, we're talking about things like high fructose corn syrup. We're talking about other preservatives like polysorbate 80, which is found in a lot of liquids, even condiments like ketchup. We're talking about, regardless of if they use cane sugar, high sugary mixes, which are going to spike our blood sugar and drive excess of insulin. And then we're talking about even in something savory like a Bloody Mary, um, I have found that I can only do homemade Bloody Marys because 99% of Bloody Marys have gluten in the mix. So I always have to ask specific at a restaurant if I want to indulge in something savory and that would be otherwise keto-friendly, a Bloody Mary, uh, that you know it doesn't have wheat or high fructose corn syrup in it. So a lot of additives and fillers. And then the final thing to consider is the biome, which you mentioned, Becky. And that's the idea that alcohol is sterilizing, right? So we use that in the medical field, alcohol swab before testing our blood sugar, right? Or before doing a shot or something like that, or to clean a wound. And um, alcohol is very sterilizing. We use alcohol, you know, as um, also on so many uh, hand wipes and things like that, which we've learned is not as effective as hand soap because there's resistant bacteria. So the dance is that alcohol is sterilizing, yes, but it's not sterilizing across the board and it can create or provoke more resistant dysbiotic strains of bacteria. It can also create resistance in yeast flares and then that can add insult to injury for eating or excuse me, drinking fermented alcohol like a yeasted wine or a beer, which may have wild ferments, could have some beneficial strains, but likely it's going to provoke candidiasis or yeast overgrowth or flare. Got it. And so that would be, you know, if we're not tolerating alcohol well, actually, um, candida can be, can drive alcohol intolerance. Um, and if we're seeing yes. you know, excessive bloat from beer or wine, that could be an, an insight into what's going on in your microbiome. Absolutely. And, you know, there was that that uh, brewing beer in our belly article by a New York Times a couple years ago where someone was actually failing blood alcohol tests based on the amount of SIBO that they had going on. So they had so much small intestinal bacterial overgrowth that they were creating that fermentation and breathing out alcohol. Uh, so definitely that's that can add, again, another kind of vicious cycle of alcohol intolerance. And when people say, oh, I just feel like I get drunk so easy these days, that's often a sign of a microbiome intolerance or an issue with detox enzyme pathways. So two things to consider is doing my 10-day detox or my beat the bloat six-week bacterial and yeast cleanse to kind of plow the fields and reset your body. Not necessarily just so that you can drink more alcohol, <laughs> but because that's one of the symptoms of your body showing you that it's off kilter. Sure. Awesome. So let's move on to talk about prevention a little bit because let's face it, alcohol is probably going to happen for most of us from time to time. Let's. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we trust the people that don't drink, <laughs> Becky. <laughs> I'm always like, whenever I'm meeting up with a new person, I'm like, let's meet for a glass of wine. No, no, okay, okay, all right. You're going on that list, okay. <laughs> um, and certainly, people have their own, you know, personal reasons. But yes. <laughs> I, I, I joke, I joke. <laughs> We're, I'll meet gonna, you for a matcha tea. Exactly, Don't worry, guys. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's going to happen for most of us from time to time. So let's talk about why we get hungover in the first place and maybe why certain people get a little more hungover than others. Other than the, yes, the microbiome so, hit. Yeah. So obviously the first way to prevent hangover is to not consume alcohol. And so that can be a great option. And like, and like, I, like I said, I digress. I was being light. Um, I think that it can be a really great commitment to your health, but for some of us that just, whether it's cultural or whatnot, I am such a foodie within my health experience that I will never be able to be so rigid that I can't enjoy food. And that's what I love about my real food keto approach is that all flavors, textures, it's, it's all there, man. And it's, it's, in, it's rich and I never feel deprived. And so keeping alcohol in the playing field, like I said, I think is a sustainable approach. But if we are to consume it and if we are to on occasion over consume it or not tolerate the consumption of it, 
there can be many negative symptoms associated with what we call, quote unquote, a hangover. So we can see from headache to brain fog and concentration issues, fatigue, actual physical aches like myalgias, aches in the tissue, um, so our our soft uh, skeletal muscular tissue. We can see joint pain. We can see mood shifts, so irritability. And then we can definitely see anxiety dips. Um, We can get significant drops of serotonin and GABA because of that sterilization impact and because of that B vitamin depletion. So that can lead to like a little bit of almost like a tremor or an uneased feeling and even kind of cascade into a depressive tendency. We can also see nausea and vomiting, especially if we go to alcohol toxicity. That's where we'd have vomiting. And then um, extreme thirst and dry mouth, uh, drier, saggier skin, food cravings and or unmanaged hunger. And that can also be a coping mechanism to kind of refill that void per se. Okay, and then let's talk a little bit just about the toxic buildup component. I know we kind of hit on this prior, but there are other you know genetic factors, like we mentioned. Uh, there's also you know glutathione depletion that comes with alcohol consumption. So let's hit that yeah. real quick. Okay. So glutathione is the granddaddy or grandmama master antioxidant in the liver. And um, it's, well, it's an antioxidant, but predominantly works or functions in the liver. And it plays a huge role in detoxification. It's actually active in both phase one and phase two of detox. So we know that there can be some predisposing genetic factors. For instance, there's GST, and um, that stands for um, glutathione S-transferase, GST1 enzyme. For instance, my Stella is homozygous, so she has two genetic mutations or SNPs on that pathway. Um, So she's going to be more prone towards toxic metal buildup, as well as buildup of any toxins. So we use glutathione cream on her liver every three days to just help her system, even though she's eating an organic diet and she's not drinking alcohol um, as a two-year-old, she is exposed to our toxic environment. So there's things preemptively we may want to be mindful of and beyond the depletion of B vitamins, all of our detoxification enzymes should be considered as a tool to do and and take higher doses of prior to and post-consumption to drive and give the nutritional building blocks that the body needs to drive that excretion pathway. And there's totally genetic factors and uh, varied individuals and populations that will have more intolerance. So I, I think we'll get a little nerdy in there, but before we go into these mechanisms, Let's talk about our sponsor for today's episode of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Yes, so this podcast is not sponsored by alcohol. It <laughs> no. is sponsored by Further Food. And we absolutely love these guys. We met them at KetoCon this year. Um, and they have amazing, awesome collagen products that are grass-fed, pasture-raised. They have a wild-caught cod collagen, which I haven't seen anywhere else in the collagen industry. Um, They're all tested non-GMO, hormone and antibiotic free products. And they also have this amazing daily turmeric tonic that I've been using in my bone broth and really loving. Yes. And Further Food is a company that's owned by all women, owned and operated. (laughs) And we met them, like Becky said, at KetoCon. It's an awesome team of uh, three empowered women that have used food as medicine themselves with personal experience to heal chronic illness from IBS to Crohn's disease to thyroid disease. So they have super high integrity and they are really focusing on also a give to grow mentality of providing collagen at a price point of good quality. I've priced it out per ounce um, to be very competitive and cheaper than some of the big guys on the market, but with as high, if not better, standard of integrity, looking at grass-fed, pasture-raised, wild-caught, like Becky said, non-GMO, hormone and antibiotic-free, and um, definitely providing results. I personally have swapped to their line and continue to see favorable impact on my hair, skin, and nails. And when we're talking about alcohol, actually, collagen can be a great way to tonify your gut lining and protect your GI tract 
from a known GI irritant and also can prevent food sensitivity. I love that. And, um, you know, we could put it in a cocktail, but <laughs> I digress. Um, I'm headed out of town this weekend and I'm going to be taking a bunch of their little collagen stick packs with me just to throw into green tea or coffee when I'm on the road. So I love that they have that portable product as well. Yes. And it can be used hot or cold. So you can throw it into an iced coffee, hot coffee, and um, definitely, like you said, great clean protein when you're on the go so that you could eat maybe a vegetarian salad when you're dining out but then have your collagen tea and know that you're getting all your macros met and supporting your connective tissue in your gut. So total win-win. Check out for their food and use the code AllieMillerRD. Uh, you'll get 10% off at your checkout on all of their products. And like Becky said, Beyond Collagen, they have an amazing turmeric product that we're going to be putting a recipe on the blog for soon. So keep an eye out for that as well. Yes, and I think they're coming out with a gelatin soon as well. So stay tuned, guys. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think collagen in cocktails really is a thing. I remember sending you, Allie, a gin that was like infused with collagen. It was called Kala Gin with G-I-N. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even something you could do like the next day if you're not feeling so great and you're not quite ready for like solid foods, collagen is something that you could throw into a shake or a smoothie or even into a soup. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. For sure. So back to the genetic factors and I promise we'll, we'll lighten it up in a second. But um, for example, my husband's Korean and I'm super familiar with his Asian glow where he gets that like flushing <laughs> reaction. Oh, bye. I'm trying to figure out, you know, certain alcohols seem to make it worse than others. Darker liquors make it worse than others, which makes me think about, you know, his impaired detox process, but I don't Or histamines. Yes. Yeah, histamines for sure as well with wine. Um, too, he seems to have the reaction, but um, certain people are just going to, you know, have alcohol build up and accumulate and stick around longer. So let's talk about a couple of those genetic SNPs and kind of what we can do to get around them beyond the glutathione piece of the puzzle. Right. So there is that GST one and um, there's other glutathione uh, markers as well. And then there is uh, cytochrome P450, which we talked about in the beginning of this episode as the primary mechanism of the detox enzyme involved in the liver. So some people have different SNPs on those cytochrome P450 enzymes, and that's going to create a buildup uh, of the alcohol, and they're going to lack that ability to activate or excrete. So um, th there can also be people that are super metabolizers, for instance, of caffeine, um, and some people that rapidly metabolize caffeine, meaning that caffeine doesn't keep them up. They can drink caffeine at 10 p.m. and go to sleep. And then there's sluggish, right? So you can always have a fast or slow genetic enzyme action. So you can be a slow um, detoxifier or a rapid detoxifier. And that's going to play a big role on how you perceive or I guess experience a buzz, um, how you experience a buzz and then how you feel the following day too. Sure. And some of those even play into our tendency to get addicted to certain substances. Totally. Like well. COMT, yeah. um, you know, we think of MTHFR as kind of the most known SNP, but COMT, catecholamine methyl uh, transferase, definitely has higher addictive tendencies and um, it, it correlates with dopamine. And so that's a, a definite trend that we see as well. Okay. Awesome. So we said we weren't going to get so nerdy, but of course we did. Um, let's transition and just talk about something a little more well-known with alcohol, which is dehydration. Sure. So, I mean, pl plain and simple, alcohol dehydrates you. So it's going to increase your diuretic effect. I mean, I always think of, I still experience this. And I think of like in college being like, oh, the seal's broke. <laughs> I don't know if that resonates with anyone, but like, you know, like once you start peeing, like now you got to pee every hour while you're out. Um, and definitely it it's going to increase urination. And that's the idea that hopefully your liver and kidneys are on overdrive, uh, trying to excrete the buildup of alcohol in your body. And um, the interesting thing is that alcohol can actually, though, over time, inhibit your antidiuretic hormone. And so that's going to send your water kind of straight to the bladder from the kidneys, 
and that's going to bypass that reabsorption in the body. So it's going to kind of, as it's flushing, it's also wringing out and not delivering water to your tissues. So that's going to create dehydration in all of your body, including dehydration even in the brain. Um, And that's where we can actually get some shrinkage going on in our brain with severe dehydration following alcohol. And that's often what's associated with a hangover actually is that the organs start to kind of dry up even to just moderate or, or, you know, micro levels, but these can have an impact on the function because water helps to carry delivery of nutrients. So when you remove water, you get depletion of nutrients, especially our electrolytes and our B vitamins, which are all water soluble. And then you're getting the shrinkage of the organs themselves, which can create inflammation, restriction of blood flow, driving more blood pressure. And that can be that like throbbing (laughs) head in the brain space. Um, and, uh, hence a hangover. As we're shrinking our brains. No bueno. Wild. Okay. And then what about the additives, sulfites, and some of the byproducts of fermentation? How does that influence the hangover specifically? Right. So, you know, we talked about how alcohol and the very beverages of alcohol forms, not having a label, but then beyond the additives, as far as artificial flavors, colorants, preservatives, toxic compounds, there's actually natural influence within the fermentation and distillation. And these byproducts like the acetone and acetaldehyde can be created beyond the liver activating that compound from the ethanol. These can be created in the production of many alcoholic beverages. And then based on fermentation, um, we know, for instance, like histamines and wine, the red wine is going to have less of our sulfites. There's actually more sulfites added in white wine to stop the sugar fermentation process but there's more tannins and histamines in the red wine because those are carried in the grape skin. So the difference of red wine and white wine really is that the skins are macerated and the wine itself is fermented within those skins. So you actually are going to have more histamine and more tannin um, also in like an unfiltered wine or um, it's going to depend on the production itself, of course, but the plant compounds that are fermented are going to have higher histamine action. And that's where likely, often a triple distilled or even quadruple distilled liquor will have very little histamine response and maybe better tolerated by many people, especially when we're looking at someone that has GI distress, like inflammatory bowel or SIBO or dysbiosis or yeast, because they don't get that fermentation influence on top of the alcohol. Okay. Awesome. And yeah, I pulled a study um, that was done comparing, I'd hate to be in this study, but (laughs) comparing the influence on hangover from whiskey to vodka with equal amounts of alcohol and I guess equal percentages that they were consuming in the study. And the hangover with whiskey was a whole lot worse than it was with vodka. Sure. Sure. And so that could be definitely with both the tan and histamine action and also could be caramel color additives and things like that as well. Sure. Okay. So what about the source of certain alcohols? Last kind of uh, scary stuff thing, I guess, and then we'll get into some of our favorites, but um, source of certain alcohols, does that matter so much? Um, let's say we're you know, following an anti-inflammatory diet, avoiding gluten and avoiding corn, um, whether we have sensitivity or whether we're celiac, would there be kind of good, better, best options there? Yes. So first thing to mention is when we're talking about a molecularly or triple distilled alcohol, you know, as far as a parts per million, when we're talking about someone like with celiac disease, they can actually technically consume any spirit regardless of the orientation. So for instance, like gray goose vodka is derived actually from wheat, but the level of distillation is so clean that you're not going to even get any parts per million of a gliadin particle in there. So the origin is less concerning. And when I used to do like an MRT uh, food plan, I would say, oh, okay, well, you're reactive to wheat, so stick to Monopawa or whatever that is, that um, Polish vodka, which is potato derived, um, or use the rock, which is grape derived. But I've learned in up-to-date research that 
literally molecular distillation does take care of a lot of that. If you want to feel better about being mindful of where it's produced from and the level of potential, you know, higher crops that have higher GMOs, that could be something to consider. But again, generally speaking, a clear spirit is going to be so clean that, that we don't have to worry. Now, a colored spirit might have a little bit more parts per million. So you might want to be mindful about, for instance, if you have like a barley reaction versus a corn um, and you're looking at whiskey versus bourbon and things like that, taking that into account. But generally speaking, clear um, should not have any residual compounds. And then there are always gluten-free options like omission IPA. There's actually uh, Corona just came out and said that they're celiac friendly because, again, they did a, a third party parts per million test. And so I think it's higher corn. Most breweries are using corn instead of wheat now because it's cheaper. Um, but big picture, I like to stick personally to wine and to tequila and uh, gin and vodka as my drinks of choice and things that I tolerate best and feel I guess, cleanest about. Byron and Brady were both pumped about the Corona thing. So. I know. And and he, Brady is still to this day so confused about the variants of gluten intolerance and candida. He'll be like, oh, I beat my candidas so I can have this. And I'm like, well, but like, it's still really yeasted, dude. And he, anyway, I, you know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Mr. Miller. let's talk about yeah. our favorite drinks of choice and um, yeah. wine and clear spirits. So what are some of your favorites? What would you order at a bar? What would you drink out so, to dinner? <laughs> yeah. So I like to order uh, – uh, I do really well with tequila and gin I've found and um, like I said, wine. And I'm probably going to go 90, 90% plus for wine. I do really well with wine and um, I like to generally recommend – asking for like an old world wine, which is going to have, and you'll learn in next episode, I'm not even going to digress, uh, but we'll learn so much in next episode about wine, but old world wines are something to consider. And then at home, um, I would be a big fan of dry farms wine because they do third party testing to be free of residual sugars, to be lower alcohol percent and cleaner. So um, we will put in the show notes, there is a uh, promo code for a bottle added onto your order for only a penny with your order from Dry Farms Wine. It's also on our Instagram in our tap bio and definitely something to try out. And you'll learn more about why you should try Dry Farms Wine next episode. Um, but that's a great source for clean wines. And then if I'm doing like a margarita, the NorCal Marg, I believe it's Rob Wolf that named it that, is basically like a vodka soda with tequila. So it's sparkling water, tequila, lime, and salt. Um, I like to add the salt to help with electrolytes. And then I like to rotate between like a Topo Chico and lime. And then that way I stay hydrated and I'm still kind of staying social and uh, getting a nice buzz while not going over the top. Yes. And then if we wanted to change that up, we could do a mezcal or we learned about Sotol recently. Um, yes. Well, yeah. More like smoky kind of fun flavor. Yes. And then for gin, I'm a big fan of actually doing like a, well, there's something called a greyhound, which is like a vodka, grapefruit, uh, salt, or some people call it salty dog. Um, but usually when you're at a bar and you ask for grapefruit, they give you that like cheapo, I don't know what, Tropicana grapefruit <laughs> stuff from Concentrate and it's just not real food or anything. So if at home I would order gin with, I would do gin with sparkling water and peel grapefruit and zest it and twist that in a little bit. And then maybe a little splash of bitters or a sprig of thyme or something like that. And what I like about gin is it can stand alone very well because it does have that juniper berry, but it has like what, like 20, doesn't have to have 27 or something additional botanicals um, in addition. So there's a lot of herbs and herbaceous kind of things going on there. And you can get away from the tonic, which is going to have the sugar by just doing soda water and then adding a little bit of citrus in there. And, and it, I think that's a fantastic summer cocktail. Yes, I don't know the rules on gin per se, what makes it. It has a lot of botanicals. It's all I know. It's like juniper berry and, you know, other potentially, uh, beneficial botanicals, certainly. Um, and there's so many different types that are influenced by region. I learned a lot about gin when I was in Scotland and found that actually the, I found the buzz with gin a lot cleaner and the hangover to be a lot less um, or non-existent the next day with drinking gin. So I've been really into that this summer. 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, what about just kind of general benefits of alcohol? Yeah, I think it's fair to have both ends of the of yes. the spectrum covered. Yeah. So there are, you know, and I think one of the favorable, which can also be good or bad, is that alcohol and wine it lowers your inhibitions. So for people that have some levels of social anxiety, and again, not saying that this should be your tool, but alcohol and wine are seen as a connection tool. They're seen as a celebratory tool. They can allow us to have deeper, intimate levels of conversations that maybe we wouldn't delve into. Um, and they really can be shared with love and connection. There is a lot of research actually and studies in a epidemiological and also observational studies that look at relationships and social cultures of, you know, that kind of campfire type shooting the whatever <laughs> of, of, of alcohol being used as a tool or a uh, modifiable to stimulate deep conversation and connection. And then now, Grapes themselves in wine have a lot of benefits with polyphenols, um, the uh, anthocyanins, resveratrol. So we can get that reduced inflammation, improved blood sugar and blood pressure and antioxidant capacity. But that's really only going to come from wine. Um, but, you know, big picture, love, connection, longevity, um, almost all of the blue zones have, which are, you know, the regions that have the longest living people have some form of alcohol consumption in their culture. Uh, and I think that that's something to kind of not take too lightly and, and to allow again, as a sustainable approach to whole body health and wellness. Awesome. And we'll save the rest of the benefits, I think for next episode, because Todd gets into a whole bunch of the other ones. So let's talk as promised about strategies for mitigating a hangover kind of on the forefront, and then we'll get around to what to do afterward. Yes. So the first one that we're looking at is just slow down. So you guys, anyone listening, you are too damn old to be doing a shot <laughs> or to be doing anything rapidly. Yeah. Slow it yeah. down, water <laughs> it down, right? Um, you're drinking not to get blackout and not to destroy your body. You're drinking to maybe have a little bit of a buzz, again, lighten up, laugh harder and connect. And so connection and memory means you need to be present as well. So using hydration and slowing down are going to be great techniques. So ensuring that you're uh, doing water, again, like sparkling water with a lime between your cocktails, um, adding salt to your drinks and even your mocktails can help with electrolyte balance. And then definitely having food is a big picture because alcohol is rapidly, you know, broken down in your body. So having some fats like wine pairs really well with cheese and nuts and olives, right? And these are things that actually can coat your palate and allow you to taste the flavors of the wine more, but that's also going to slow down your buzz um, and, and prevent you from getting quote unquote drunk. Um, same thing with having cocktails at happy hour with some bites or having food around that time. Definitely going to be something to consider. And then if I am like gang busting and it's like girls weekend or a big time celebration, I do try to strategize my carb cycles at those times of alcohol intake because I do find that I want to put less stress to my liver. I do want to provide my body with some more substance. I find, and many people find that in a tight keto control, we are going to be a little bit more um, low electrolyte and low water in the body. And that's going to further exacerbate that dehydration. And when we're tight keto, we also don't have as much substance for our foods to absorb the alcohol. <laughs> so that also means more rapid alcohol metabolism in the body. Yep. I've learned that one from experience. I'll try to often keep it super tight with my meals so I can have one extra drink. And the next day I always regret it. And you always tell me that Dr. Doctrine creates disconnect and yes, Becky, <laughs> I'm going to remind We're myself figuring it out. and go back and listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my God. And then, you know, choosing of course the carriers with your alcohol um, to be additive free and free of sugar is really important. So again, asking for soda water, asking for, I would just like a twist of lemon or I'd like the, when I order my locale mark, I say, Here's what I would like. Even if I'm at a Mexican restaurant and they have 27 margaritas, I say, here's what I would like. I would like Casamigas Blanco with 
the juice of a lime and a half. <laughs> and I would like you to shake that with coarse salt. And I'd like salt on the rim. And I would like about an ounce of sparkling water with that. I just ask for it exactly like that. And they write it down and it's always perfect because if you just ask for something skinny, there could be other gunk in there. So you always want to specifically ask for what you want. Yeah, I love that. We'll, and, we'll put that up on the blog as well as a recipe. We've been promising cool. that for a while. Good, so good. we'll get our favorite margarita up there. Yes. And then let's talk real quick to give you guys some tools and strategies to mitigate the hangover on a supplement level. So I am a huge fan of two things, well, many things, but two all the time as far as any alcohol consumption is my ultimate detox, which is really big support for that phase two detox. And that literally lives on my nightstand for the just in case times. And then I will take a detox pack. Like if I'm doing Fredericksburg winery tours or things like that, I will take a detox pack the morning of the night of the next morning of and the next night of. So I do four detox packs anytime that I'm doing more than two drinks and that's going to be really supportive, giving both phase one and phase two an antioxidant blend. And that's the Reset, Restore, Renew detox packs. You also may follow, if you did, like a bachelorette party or a girl's trip or whatever, you might follow that weekend with a actual 10-day detox, which would be highly recommended. And that's going to really support your body with food as medicine and rebalance. So both Ultimate Detox and the Detox Packs can be great tools. And then if you're someone that knows you have that glutathione uh, genetic component or you've had deficiency of glutathione from a micronutrient test, I highly recommend my cellular antiox. This has both N-acetylcysteine and glutathione. And N-acetylcysteine or NAC is often depleted in those that consume alcohol on a regular basis. And this is actually what they use for like Tylenol, like how Tylenol can stress the liver. If there's ever Tylenol overdose or liver distress in a hospital setting, they will IV NAC to you. Um, and so NAC is a very potent liver supporter and detoxifier. And honestly, I take cellular antiox every single day within my wellness regimen just to support detox processes. And then I pulse the ultimate detox or the detox packs based on alcohol or um, toxic exposure. Awesome. And then obviously hydrating before bed is a big one. Doing water or coconut yes. water could be a big thing. Um, even bringing in the relax and regulate supplement, whether that's a regular part of your regime or yeah. you just use it for occasional I Right. So I use that every night before bed, but definitely if we're thinking of alcohol, that magnesium bisglycinate, and that's going to be something you could pulse up if you do experience a headache um, from a hangover because magnesium is a, a blood vessel dilator, a muscle relaxer, and um, that inositol is also going to help with our neurotransmitter balance. So that's one that you could take a couple scoops of during the day if nursing a hangover, but definitely that scoop at night as a regimen is going to be helpful. And then another one um, that's in my daily regimen, but something to consider is our B-complex. So I mentioned it earlier in the episode, thiamine, pantothenate, B12, folate, riboflavin, all of these can become depleted with alcohol. And we definitely want to give our body those B vitamins back. That's going to help to prevent the hangover, but also replete the nutrients that we need for energy to manage our brain fog and our mood stability. So super, super important to take that B-complex as well. Awesome. And then what about next day? If we're feeling a little rough, let's just give a couple of our favorite strategies that we can bring in the next day. Yeah. So, you know, one thing to consider is, um, I guess you could consider this the day, the night of as well, um, kombucha. So we've seen low, yeah, low vitamin K actually also in a lot of studies with alcohol consumption. And that's because of that sterility microbiome connection. So remember vitamin K is manufactured in the colon based on your gut bugs. So we're going to get depleted vitamin K if we're getting excessive alcohol and the bugs are sterilized. So taking a good quality probiotic is going to be key and then consuming probiotic rich foods. But kombucha can be a great one because it's going to have some electrolytes, some of that saccharomyces to prevent against yeast flares and also give you the good probiotics and the amino acid derivatives to help with restoration and healing. 
So that's something great. And I've actually seen out in Austin here, kombucha in a lot of cocktails. So that's kind of an interesting concept. We could do a collagen cocktail, a kombucha cocktail. And you know what? I made uh, last football season a Bloody Mary mix with bone broth. So I'm, I'm hearing something. We got something going here, Becky. <laughs> I'm going to make a bunch of recipes. Yeah, I, I think we need like a, a five cocktails block. I've it's going. Okay, so. cool. <laughs> we'll make it happen, yes. guys. My uh, other – go I, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say berberine alley. Might yes. I don't know if we do it before, during, but if, especially if it was like a higher wine yes. intake and we tend toward yeast overgrowth, that's a big one that I'll bring. Yep. And me personally, I'm prone to my ocular microbiome will get distressed and it kind of trends with my autoimmune trends. And so I will be prone towards like sty or dermatological flares and berberine knocks all that out because it stimulates bile flow. It has antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, <laughs> anti inflammatory, <laughs> all beneficial mechanisms. So I will pulse up berberine, especially if doing yeasted food, yeasted beverages like champagne and or wine. I'm going to take berberine at like two to four a day for a couple weeks and get my body back on track and, and prevent all of that. And our berberine boost is an awesome kind of whole ingredient supporter there. Um, and then other things I'd consider is our turmeric lemonade. So that's going to support liver function and electrolyte stability. We mentioned the coconut water. I like to do a green smoothie with, I do put collagen in that, which is going to help with that gut restoration. I like to sit bone broth and maybe consider a couple day bone broth fast, especially if it was like a weekend in Napa or something. So we can put a link to our bone broth fast. And I would do that with our detox pack supplements to really kind of reset the system. Um, let's see. What are some other tips, Becky? Super turmeric, I think. Oh, yeah. Doing like a know, leave. Advil or a leave or something that's going to drive more liver distress. Doing super turmeric for a headache or get to the point of like body achiness. Absolutely. And then food-wise, eggs and bacon are fabulous. <laughs> you could do if you're feeling up for more. That's a really easy one to tolerate if you're a little nauseous because uh, that's going to give you that sulfur-containing amino acid support. Um, if you can add some avocado to that, you're going to get a boost of glutathione. And um, we have an awesome breakfast bowl that we'll link in our show notes. And then I like to use CBD as well. I use CBD daily, but I like to use uh, CBD, especially on a day if I uh, had maybe a little bit of an overindulgence of alcohol, because I do get a little bit of that like uh, guilt, anxiety. And I find that doing like a CBD fatty latte really grounds me. I might even add a little bit of gelatin to that. And then I'll do my eggs like a couple hours later and I'm pretty much back on track, green smoothie middle day, and I'm rocking and rolling. And then... Um, definitely playing with all of the supplement tools that we've mentioned. And that coffee in the CBD latte is also potentially going to help with that headache. It can help with the swelling in, in yes. blood vessels that come the next day. Um, and also just get you back to feeling like a normal functioning human, human being. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All good things. And then lifestyle, getting outside and and grounding is huge in nature, connecting to kind of more circadian flow, sweating, exercising. And if you have access to a sauna, that's going to, of course, upregulate the detox process. Okay. And then to round this episode out, anything not to do? And also, what's your stance on hair of the dog the next day? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm Irish and I'm from Wisconsin and Wisconsinites, they drink, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think hair of the dog can work, honestly. And especially if it's a clean Bloody Mary, like my bone broth Bloody Mary, and you're getting salt on the rim because you got a little bit of potassium, manganese, uh, magnesium in there as well, and um, maybe a little bit of that alcohol to kind of cut that that hit. Um, but I would not recommend Advil, Aleve, or Tylenol because that's going to create only more liver and GI distress. And I would not recommend going into screw it mode and then becoming a Sunday fun day of a binge day of, of day drinking. <laughs> um, so getting back on track as soon as possible, clean eating, type keto is going to be fantastic to stay on track. But I think that hopefully we've given you guys a couple tools. Like literally, I do keep those detox packs in my yep. wallet and Me purse too. at all times because just in case, you never know. Me too. Oh my gosh. So I hope this helps you guys. If you do decide to imbibe or uh, may overdo it this coming weekend um, and um, go ahead and have a glass of wine and hop over and write us a 
gushing and uh, very generous five-star review on iTunes if you love this episode. As always, that helps us to spread and share our message with everyone. So share this episode with somebody who needs it or take this advice to heart yourself, grab those detox packs and have a good time. And yeah, let us know how you're able to indulge in your lifestyle. Make this wellness journey a sustainable life, not just a on or off plan that you can fall off of and get you feeling more resilient in your body with the Naturally Nourished Supplement line, which has formulas that are safe, effective, and get good outcomes to create more food freedom and lifestyle freedom. So thanks so much for tuning in. I hope this was helpful and uh, we will catch you soon. And take a moment to check out our virtual food is medicine ketosis program, Allie Miller RD backslash ketosis hyphen class. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food is medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.